John chapter 15, and we're going to consider the second part of those verses that we have taken as our memory work for this month. But to prepare us for that, we're going to read verses 1 through 11, the last two verses that we are memorizing. John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for his name's sake. This morning we're thinking particularly on verse 11 and the phrase that begins that verse that says these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. These things have I spoken. Before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we pray that you will bless the word of God with the Spirit's ministering, empowering, and applying. I pray, O God, that thou will take the word thyself, allow it to be that which is turned, as it were, from the voice of man speaking to the voice of the shepherd, so that the ears of those that hear might discern the Lord Jesus in the word. Lord, I pray that thou wilt now help me as thy servant, guide in thought and word. Lord, help these that hear, open hearts. Lord, minister to them to the point of their needs. Instruct, guide, uphold. Lord, we pray that thou will bless us all together as we wait upon the Lord Jesus in this hour. We pray in his precious name and for his sake. Amen. As we mentioned in our consideration of this text a couple of weeks ago, 
the chapters of John 13 to 17 are words spoken by the Lord to his disciples from that hour that he assembled the group in the upper room to the time that he went out to face his appointed hour. We also noted that these chapters are descriptive words. The first is comfort. The words of Christ are words of comfort. The Lord's desire for his people is not a life that languishes amid sorrows and defeat. We are not to be those who are troubled in heart or mind, but those who believe and those who look for him. I might ask, well, why? Well, the answer is simply this. Our comfort and joy comes by what Christ has done for us before God. Again, we noted that the second descriptive word is blessing. I will stress at this point that blessing is not mere benevolent thinking. It is not just wishing of the one who has found favor well. Our blessing of God is tied to the words from the mouth of God. It is a covenant or promise that is experienced by the blessed. Our text is the Lord's priestly blessing on those that belong to him. The Lord blesses as he prays for us. He blesses as he speaks of the mind of the Father. He blesses as he reveals the true foundation of our joy. Now it must be noted that the Lord speaks very directly as he comforts and blesses. He uses words that are very understandable. Our text begins by plainly stating, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Christ's call to obedience is not without a foundation. If there is love for Christ, it will be a consideration of all that he has instructed us, but there will also be care to obey him. If you love the Lord Jesus, you will obey him. But we must see that his blessing very truth that with obedience and the heeding of the words of the Lord Jesus there is joy there is joy that proceeds from his joy at work in us as we are in union with him there is joy that is produced by our own hearts as we find ourselves delighted by the product of a life that is in union with Christ. That's what he's saying. My subject today, my proposition to you, the thing that I would like for us to consider is this, and that is that the word of God, these things have I spoken. The word of God brings to the heart of the believer all 
that is intended by our God as blessing. That is intended by our God as blessing. Now I want us to think about the word of God as it is presented to us, as it is laid before us as a foundation for the joy the Lord says he means to remain in us and be our portion. So I want us to think about some truths about the words that he has spoken and see why it is that this is the producer of joy. Well, first, I want you to think with me this, that the Word of God has a purpose. The Word of God has a purpose. Now, I will say that very often, and unfortunately, the Word of God is treated as if it is a collection of general statements from God. We see it as a book of truth, but truth that is virtually lifeless and becomes mostly academic. We study the Bible, but we don't always hear the Bible. The attitude of many, even believers, toward the Word of God of being disconnected somehow. Here are words that are good, positive, helpful, uplifting, hopeful. The Bible is enlightening and challenging to a better life and a calmer existence. But the attitude is also one in which the heart can at times treat the word as if it's not applicable to me at this time. It's God's word, we believe it. It is a wonderful book. Further, men often treat the word as if it is a subject for academics and apologetics. That mind, I say, allows for great discussions and not inappropriate, I mean, we should have these discussions, but allows for great discussions as if the end of talking about the word of God is that we finally establish our viewpoints regarding textual criticism. Where did we get the word of God? What manuscripts are the best and so forth? What versions should we use? The book is treated as if it is a record of the mind of God, but a lifeless record. The innate power and purpose is set off to the side while men stretch their minds and bolster their opinions. I say to you this morning that the book that we have before us, the word that Christ has given, these words have I spoken unto you. This book is not just a subject for study or a guidebook for moral uprightness. The book that we have here has a purpose that the power of God will accomplish. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you this morning, with me, consider all the statements that you can about the Word of God. 
perhaps our minds run to statements such as these, that the word of God will not, cannot, must not, and shall not return to God void. Perhaps you remember Romans, where it says the, the word, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. Psalm 119, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. You know these statements. The book of Timothy calls the word of God a two-edged sword, does it not? It proceeds out of the king of kings. We have pictured for us in the book of Revelation. Again, from the book of Psalms, we are told that the power of the word of God keeps the heart from sin when it is hid in the heart. The Lord Jesus, in rebuking the devil, tells us that it is the word of God from the mouth of God that feeds the souls of men. We are told that the word of God is that which causes the devil. It is the word of God that delights the heart as apples. You know many more than what I just said. But these are said to convince you, to tell you that this is not just a book. It is a living word. It is given of God for a purpose. And again, I strive to say the word of God is not just a holy book. It is a living word for it is an extension of God himself. I don't want to try to develop a, a, a great theological truth, but I want you to understand the word of God is an extension of of God himself. Every word or work that proceeds from the Lord is filled with a living power that must do what God's purpose for it is means for it to do. Let me just give you a couple of examples. You know these uh, examples. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 uh, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not were not made of things which do appear. Or very simply, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'm, I, I'm trying to uh, give you an example here that shows you that when God speaks, there must be a fulfillment of what he says. His word is not just information. His word is power. His word is the accomplishment of the mind of God. These statements that we have throughout the scripture and what the Lord Jesus says to us are not merely statements that show a means by which God created the world. Here is proof, rather, that what comes from the mind and mouth of God must occur. For the word is an extension of himself. The word cannot but do what it is spoken for. Now the Lord Jesus says that what he has spoken these things I have spoken unto you. Then he has a purpose. It was not just a well-wishing for his disciples. 
It was not just a point of benevolent information. He is saying, I've spoken to you of God that must be fulfilled. Spoken these things for a purpose. And the purpose was that his joy might remain in us. And then, as a result of that, and again, this is not just two con concurrent or coexisting truths, but rather one step from the other, and that is,
point this out. The Lord said, the words of our text that we're taking here from verse 11, these things have I spoken that my joy might remain. My joy. What is in Christ's heart. What brings him to life. What has been his purpose. His joy is behind the words fulfilling. Or may I put it this way, what is in the heart of the Lord? His love, his joy, his goodness is the effect of the word of God. When the Lord gives his word, what he desires in his heart is the effect that it will have. Now, would we not say that this is true of saving faith of life?
child or one child will ever pass away or fail to be the word of God. Yes, you got the right answer, but you didn't explain why you said what you said. There are two very simple thoughts here as to why the word of God is permanent. And I hope I will be able to put this simply to you. We read one of these uh, verses this morning that's a proof, and I'll, I'll refer to it in just a second. But I want you to see this. Number one. The word Lord, love. 
treasure in the heart of God.
more dear, far more delightful. 